Welcome to Intelligence Talks from the research team at Knight Frank. Intelligence Talks brings you the latest insights on property market trends and forecasts, along with expert analysis from industry leaders. I'm Anna Ward, Senior Residential Analyst at Knight Frank. I'm joined today by retail agency partner David Leggett and Head of Retail Research Stephen Springham. In this episode, we'll be taking a close look at the UK retail sector. How is coronavirus impacting the industry and how will the lifting of the lockdown play out from both a retailer and landlord perspective? We'll also discuss the flight to online and the future of the retail industry. So Stephen, what are your thoughts on the current challenges? What has coronavirus meant for the retail sector in the immediate term? It's really impossible to overstate the dramatic impact the pandemic has had on the retail sector. In my 27 odd years covering the retail market, it's no exaggeration to say that this is the single most dramatic event to ever happen to our market, more so than any recession, including the global financial crisis and things like Brexit, which you were talking only a few months ago, you know, were registered very low on the Richter scale compared to this. I mean, it's this is unprecedented as a word we're hearing a lot. I mean, this is definitely unprecedented for the retail sector for large proportions of the whole markets being active. I mean, to quantify that, only 17% of retail stock in this country has traded during the lockdown. So that's obviously left a lot of retailers with zero cash flow if they have no online business or a very limited cash flow if they are multi-channel. So as I say, this is uncharted territory, really. I mean, the irony is that the retail market was already very challenged going into this. It was undergoing deep-rooted structural change. COVID-19 has brought things to a head far more quickly than they otherwise would have happened. So really what we've got in simple terms is a market that was undergoing structural change having effectively had the economic rug from pulled beneath its feet, if that isn't too dramatic. And would you say that rental obligations are the biggest worry at the moment, Stephen, for retailers? One of the things, I mean, obviously, we work in property, we see our world, but there's much more to retailing than just paying the rent and looking at your real estate. Retailers got a whole raft of things to worry about in terms of obviously their own operations, in terms of their staffing, making sure they're obviously compliant. Other things such as product sourcing and obviously major issues on the supply chain. If, I mean, taking the fashion sector as an example, I mean, that has been particularly hard hit by this. Consumer demand has effectively evaporated. You have to obviously pre-buy that stock, you know, six to 12 months in advance. You've got to find somewhere to put it if you're not able to sell it through your stores. So, you know, there is a big bottleneck there. So retailers are spinning loads of plates, if you like, you know, and obviously a big one is what they do on the rental side. But it's easy to forget just because we work in real estate that retailers are preoccupied on other things. To put things in very simple terms, you know, a battle for survival. But obviously rent is a major pinch point. David, how about you? On the plate spinning point, what is your view on the key challenges and how have you seen tenants fare with rent obligations in the past month and what do you expect in terms of rent obligation? How do you think that might play out over the future months? Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, the March quarter day fell on the same week that lockdown began. So this obviously put rent collection into sharp focus. Rent collected on the quarter day was reported by retail landlords at about 30%, but this figure has tracked up to around 50% today. It's true that retailers had an awful lot to sort out in the immediate aftermath of lockdown, and it's fair to say their priority wasn't paying rent, and they had staff and supply issues. You have to remember that the government introduced moratorium on evicting commercial tenants, meant that occupiers were given a bit of grace to sort out their other aspects of their business, focusing on rent payments. So yes, retail has only more recently become uh, the focus of the occupier, but that is also the reason that we've seen that rent collected figure track up from 30 to 50%. Looking to the June quarter day, which is fast approaching now, 
I think it's widely accepted across the market that collection rates will be lower than March, and there are a couple of reasons for this. The first is that there were some non-essential retailers who paid their rent in March, but they, of course, have now seen no trade this quarter and won't be paying in June. Secondly, the essential rate retailers who are open and trading at the moment aren't making up much money. We've seen examples of this. Boots are reporting that they're 75% down on average. Superdrug or another example of an occupier who remains opened, but their parent company, AS Watson, have actually already written to landlords informing them that they'll only be paying 25% of their rent in June. And then as for September, time will tell. If occupiers do get open on the 1st of June, which present we're still on track for, and they see three months of trade, then yes, September will be better than June, but still a long way off 100% rent. On that point, David, just turning to the lifting of the lockdown, some retailers are looking at opening next month following government advice, whereas obviously other higher risk retailers may be looking at opening in July. How do you think this will play out from a retailer and landlord perspective? There's an awful lot of uncertainty surrounding the reopening of retail and indeed what a new normal actually looks like. Some of the points which are up for discussion at the moment and lots of the occupiers are considering is this phased reopening. The occupiers that do open in June probably won't be opening the whole portfolios. It's likely that retail parts followed by high streets and then followed by shopping centres will open in that order simply due to the physical attributes of each of those assets. We're seeing examples from Europe where obviously lockdown is being lifted already in certain parts that smaller, more convenience-focused destinations are trading much better than the larger schemes of cities. Occupiers obviously are facing increased costs when they do reopen. This is primarily staff costs. They'll need more staff to reopen and comply with the condition reopening. Occupiers have huge forecasting concerns. There's a risk of a second lockdown, which would obviously be uh, catastrophic. Again, pointing to the lessons learned from Europe, some of the trade levels have been encouraging, but overall figures that are reported are down. So that dents the hopes of the revenge spend theory that's been going around the market. And in fact, an indication of the occupiers' mindset that we're picking up is that they're telling us that Christmas will be their barometer for judging their future sales, and they don't see their numbers getting back to anywhere near pre-COVID levels in 2020. And then, of course, finally, the supply side issues, especially for those occupiers that source their products from overseas. Stephen, what's your view on this? Clearly such uncharted territory, but how do you see this playing out? We've got this supposedly magic date now, the 1st of June. I don't think it's going to be particularly magical. I think it's going to be very phased. As David just said, your retailers are very, very wary about reopening. So I think it'll be very staggered. I don't think every single retailer in the land will open every store that they have in their estate, for example. You know, I think people will be very measured in where they open and how they open. The whole notion that there's going to be a massive consumer bounce back, I think, is completely misplaced. Yes, You've obviously, you know, we are chomping at the bits to get outside again. You know, effectively, the consumer has been on a leash for three months. So there is some pent up demand there. But there are a lot of opposing factors as well. For example, you know, when stores open, not everybody is going to, you know, understandably is going to want to go out and hit the shops. I mean, I've seen figures that, you know, some market research where only about 47, 48 percent of people would trust going to a store again. So that's going to take some time before that levels out. Secondly, obviously, if people do go to stores, they're going to be under social distancing compromises. We've seen now with food stores, how that operates, having people on the door, trying to social distance within store, you know, a plastic screen up. In very simple terms, it's taking a lot of the fun out of shopping. So, you know, trade will be hit. And thirdly, I suppose longer term, there's the whole economic element to this. The pandemic has really rocked the consumer to the core in a way that something like Brexit didn't. 
Brexit, people were wary of it, but they saw it really as white noise. It was happening in the wider economy, but not necessarily affecting them personally. This is very different. The consumer is very worried about this. Consumer confidence has taken a huge hit. I mean, the main concern really is about job security. So those three factors are, are really going to really stimmy any surge in demand that we might have otherwise seen. Stephen, I suppose if you're a fashion retailer that just does online, this presumably could be quite good for your business. But do you think physical stores will still remain relevant after lockdown? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to pick up the the first of those two points, you'd think with stores being locked down, this would be online's moment in the sun, if you like, particularly something like fashion. That's not really proved the case whatsoever. I mean, obviously, we are getting some pretty big numbers on the online side, but it's worth noting that some of the pure plays, so ASOS, for example, in March, they saw sales go backwards by 20 to 25%. So this whole notion that because people aren't able to buy through stores, they're necessarily shopping online. And this is the key metric, really. A lot of people still tend to think of retail in very binary terms. It's online versus the high street, when really... The two work in tandem. So what we're really seeing, and this has been the message from most of the multi-channel retailers, well, in fact, all of them are multi-channel retailers, is that their online businesses haven't been able to absorb all the slack they've lost through store-based sales. So, for example, someone like John Lewis, in the two weeks post-lockdown, they reported that online sales surged by 84%, which on the surface seems a great performance. But for the whole John Lewis business, so that's the department stores and the online arm. I'm not talking about Waitrose. I'm talking about the department stores and online. You know, sales year to date are down by 9%. They forecast that for the year as a whole, they're going to be down by 35%. So the key message is, yes, some of that demand transfers to online, but not all of it. What about just looking a bit further into the future once the crisis is resolved? I mean, do you think there could be an acceleration of trends such as repurposing retail into more residential accommodation, for example? We've done a lot of research into this. What are the issues in retail? And we've sort of identified 10 structural failings, of which one is most definitely oversupply. There's too much retail floor space in this country. There's too many operators. Very difficult to quantify, but it's definitely one of the biggest structural failings. Converse, if you look to other property sectors, you know, they're undersupplied, residential being one, you know, healthcare, student accommodation, logistics, particularly last mile logistics. So logically, you'd think to transfer space from one oversupplied sector to another is a no brainer. The reality is a lot more complex than that. Three things really stand in the way of it being a straightforward transformation. I mean, one is, you know, where retail is oversupplied most tends to be, dare I say it, somewhat unloved towns, particularly, dare I say, in Scotland or, or up north. So I'm not thinking you're sort of Manchester, Newcastle, Glasgow. So I'm thinking more you're sort of tear down from that. And the issue there really is there isn't demand from those other property sectors that I just listed. So, you know, there's a mismatch in where the retail oversupply is and the demand in undersupply from the other sectors. Secondly, there's the issue really of values. I mean, retail's had a, a long bull run, if you like, but retail values are correcting rapidly, but they're still much higher than other property uses. So in very simple terms, it's not in many cases financially viable still to convert retail space to other uses. Where it does stack up tends to be certainly within the M25 and select markets in the southeast. So, you know, quite a small market there, really. And third, it's the nature of retail vacancy. I mean, yeah, we're going to see a lot of fallout from this. A lot of retailers will go bust. Unfortunately, retail vacant floor space rarely comes in nice blocks, if you like. So it's hard to manage. It's very fragmented across the town. So it doesn't sort of land in your lap in a way that you'd like it to. So, yes, I think this will accelerate the trend of repurposing retail. But I would also caution that 
it's not the no-brainer it sometimes appears to be. It's very location-specific and even allowing for further correction in retail values. You know, there are a lot of boxes to tick. Just going back to your codependency point, for those that survive and don't go bust, what sort of lessons do you think they'll learn from this and how do you think they might evolve? The retailers will emerge from this are the ones that were strong going in. How do you define a strong retailer? I mean, again, a number of things. You've got to have a strong brand. You need good leadership. You need to have the right product. You need to have an effective multi-channel strategy, just to name just four off the top of my head. And, you know, those retailers that will survive tick more or most of those boxes. I think there's a lot of work for retail operators to you know, improve their supply chain, integrate their online business with their stores. Okay, they've had to operate in isolation over the past few weeks, but this is unprecedented. You know, it's not going to be like this forever. And there will come a time, obviously, when stores are reopened. But really, it's hammered home what those retailers already knew, that they really have to integrate their online channel with their store-based ones. So if they didn't know it before, they certainly know it now. David, what about on the landlord side? How do you see landlords approaching tenants and how do you see that relationship evolving post-COVID? We are seeing and will undoubtedly continue to see a softening of lease terms. Various points that are already being picked up. There's been a move to monthly rents, which in the most part has happened already since the outbreak of COVID-19. And I think it's highly unlikely that we'll be seeing a return to quarterly rent payments anytime soon. We're seeing and will continue to see this drive and this push for increased flexibility on lease terms and a move towards turnover rents. These are things that occupiers have been pushing for a number of years now, but the current situation is just expediting the process and bringing these points to the forefront of all discussions we're having. One key message to try and get across is the need for the market to move away from this notion of rental tone. Occupiers just do not operate on this basis anymore. They have no regard for what their neighbouring occupiers are paying. They simply look at the affordability of a store in relation to how much money they think they can turn over from it, and hence that move towards turnover rents. Finally, and a key point is this collaboration point. We hear it an awful lot in the market at the moment, but it's essential. The owners and the occupiers need to make an effort to better understand each other's businesses and where they can be, be sympathetic. If you enjoyed this episode of Intelligence Talks, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please also make sure to share this episode on social media and check out the show notes for more information. Mm -hmm.